Welcome to Boxed Wine, a true crime mockumentary memoir series. That's right, a made-up genre. <laughs> You're welcome. Every episode is a different crime committed against Christy Williams, the most unsuccessful, successful small business owner in North Canton, Ohio. She's kind of a big deal, mostly to middle-aged white women, which is just fine with her because who rules the world? Probably rich white men we've never heard of. These stories will be narrated by me, Christy Williams, in the third person, because who doesn't enjoy that? Before I divulge today's crime, I must confess that I am recovering from a sinus infection, so my narration voice may not be as powerful as it normally is. But this story was too important to tell in a timely fashion. So let's get to it, shall we? This crime is a doozy. And it is something that taught Christy that making mistakes as an adult can come at a very, very high price. This occurrence happened about nine years ago or so, right after Christy had recently graduated from college after a 10-year stretch. No, she did not go to school to become a doctor, although technically with attending college for 10 years and having seen every episode of ER, Grey's Anatomy, St. Elsewhere, House, New Amsterdam, and The Resident, she truly is basically a medical doctor. Christy never wanted to go to college, but her parents were very adamant that she go so that she could break the cycle of her customer service jobs. They told her if she got a degree, she could make a good living, buy a house, go on vacations, own a nice car, you know, adult type things. Alas, five schools later, six major changes, and mostly just agreeing to continue while she worked so she didn't have to pay on unfinished business, Christy finally graduated with a degree from Southern New Hampshire University online with a creative writing degree. In her defense, her parents told her any degree was a golden ticket. In their defense, 15 years prior, it had been. Christy's first job after graduating and moving back from a two-year stint in Buffalo, New York, was working at a gas station for minimum wage as a cashier. But this is not the crime. Before Christy moved to Buffalo, she had been working at a church. When she went into the pastor's office to turn in her two weeks notice, it was a moment she would never forget. So, you're just moving to Buffalo? Yeah. You don't have a job lined up? Nope. Do you have any money saved? <laughs> no. How could our hero possibly save money when she was getting paid $8.50 an hour to do video work? What are you going to do? Work at a gas station? Christy found that dig oddly specific. And although Christy ended up getting a job at the Apple Store when she moved to Buffalo, New York, when she moved back home to Ohio, the only job she could get in her hometown with a college degree was a minimum wage cashier's position at a gas station and only because she knew somebody who worked there. Christy never went back to church, embarrassed, ashamed, and frankly convinced that she had been cursed by her pastor. Her views and beliefs would be drastically affected and she was forever changed. There are two instances in her life where she truly believed she had been cursed and this was one of them. However, the crime we're focusing on didn't happen at the church, this time. It happened at the gas station, 
Ah, the gas station. So many juicy crimes committed in this place. A bizarre world that unknowingly consumed you. Christy had been working there for about a year. It was a night like any other night at the gas station. Christy stood behind the register and was talking to a North Canton police officer. She had become friends with the guys on the afternoon shift who would come in to fill up their tanks before heading back to the police station. Officer Rowdy leaned against the ice cream cooler and Christy explained her latest conspiracy theory on whether or not Han did indeed shoot first. Spoiler alert, he totally did. She will fight anyone who says otherwise. Her general manager hated that Christy was so chatty. Her general manager, we'll call her Kay, was a small orange woman. She may have been white at one point, but her tanning bed game was strong. She was in her 40s, but the tanning made her look 50, but she dressed like her teenage daughter. It was all very confusing. Christy's interview with Kay for the job went something like this. You ain't going back to school or nothing, right? I only want dedicated people who are planning on being around for the long haul. Um, no plans as of now, no. Good. So, um, what does this position pay? Seven fifty an hour. So, minimum wage. Yeah. I have 14 years of customer service experience, though. Don't matter. Everyone starts at the bottom. You gotta work your way up. You'll get an evaluation and raise after 90 days. Oh, that's great. What's the most I could get for a raise? 15 cents. Can I just interrupt for a moment and say what absolute bullshit a 15 cent raise is? You might as well not even get a raise. But this is not the crime. I'll stay on track. <clears throat> we got cameras all over the store. We got one behind the register, and part of my job is to watch the video. It's literally all she did. So if my door is shut, I'm working. It was always shut. The amazing thing was Kay forgot to mention to Christy that not only was there a camera behind the register, but it also had audio. Kay was supposed to only watch one hour of video once a week without audio. Instead, she sat in front of the little screen, closed the door to her closet-sized office, and watched hours upon hours of video. And then will dole out hours according to what she did or didn't catch you saying. Christy promptly gave her the nickname Gollum. My precious. With leadership qualities abounding, it was shocking to find out that Kay was sleeping with the, quote, big boss, as she called him. It was her first management position, and she hired her teenage daughter and her mother to work at her store. Ah, sweet, sweet nepotism. I heard you on camera the other day. Call me a bitch. Christy smirked. What she didn't know is that she had fallen right into Christy's trap. Listen, she was bored and working a cash register. She needed entertainment. You did? Well, that's weird. I thought you weren't supposed to listen with the audio. Isn't, isn't that illegal? You think I'm a bitch? I can show you what a bitch I can be. Naturally, Christy's punishment was that she only got one day on the schedule for the next two weeks. She also had to go into the office and apologize to her manager, who smiled smugly as Christy sat on a milk carton on the ground, 
while Kay sat up in her lofty computer chair. Listen, Kay, I am truly sorry. I shouldn't have messed with you. I really need hours to pay my rent, so can I please get back to my five days a week? Oh, all right. See, I ain't that bad. Later that day, Kay, Christy, and the assistant manager were behind the register. Kay was retelling a story of catching a shoplifter and explaining how nervous he was. She started to say something, but stopped herself. Oh, I shouldn't say. Okay, yeah, then maybe don't say. Nah, it's just you. Like my daddy used to say. They were sweating like a nigger on election day. Here's the thing about our hero. She's not great in these situations, and she finds herself in them often. Caught off guard, perplexed, shocked, confused, and then not quite sure what response is allowed. She finds her responses generally 24 hours later. And this is still not the crime. I know. I know. Anyway, it was a night like any other night. Star Wars discussion with Officer Rowdy. Christy stood at her post. Her pregnant assistant manager was outside for an extended smoke break. Two young men walked up to her register holding a six-pack of Miller Lite. Both men had full beards. Christy eyed them a moment as they seemed a little odd. She couldn't put her finger on it, but often people would be nervous around the police. The young man handed her a $20 bill. Christy cashed him out, handed him back his change, and bid him a good evening, and then promptly returned back to her conversation with the officer. Should she be working and cleaning and closing up? Sure. But out- Boom! You just sold to a minor. And you were talking to a cop. You didn't ID in front of a police officer. How stupid can you be? Christy jumped and stepped back as the two beefy men, both bald, with muscles that wouldn't allow their arms to come down and badges dangling around their neck, bounced against their skin-tight t-shirts. A woman who was built similarly, beefily walked right up to Christy, who was convinced she was about to be handcuffed, and boxed her in. I'm, so I'm sorry? What's happening? What's going on? She looked at her friend, Officer Rowdy. He held his hands up and shook his head. He was not a part of this. We are with the ATF. That stands for alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. No, no, I agree. It's a super weird combination of things. You just sold alcohol to a minor. The guy you didn't ID was only 20 years old. Classic. You literally have one job. The beefy man chuckled to himself, shaking his head in disgust as the other two joined in with laughter. We need your ID. Christy felt sick. She stumbled back to the closet-sized office and got her driver's license, the woman following her closely. There were no windows or back doors in the office, but if there had been, Christy, our epic survivor, would have seriously contemplated making a run for it. She wasn't super fast for long distances, but she knew the area well and was pretty sure she could make it to somewhere safe. But alas, that was all in her overactive imagination. She turned and nearly bumped into the woman and handed her the ID. Her assistant manager appeared from her three-hour smoke break. What's going on? I didn't ID, and I sold alcohol to a minor, I guess. Oh man, Kay is gonna be pissed. You might get fired. That was helpful. Our hero was treated like the biggest crack dealer in North Canton. 
After the three ATF goons left the building, Christy was in shock. She went outside without a word to her assistant manager and called her lawyer. Yes, our poverty level hero did indeed have a lawyer. Her big brother, Eric. Hello? I just got caught in a sting. I sold alcohol to a minor. I think I have to go to court. Wait, what? Christy relayed the story. Holy shit. Christy, you're the biggest rule follower I know. She was. You don't even have a speeding ticket. She didn't. I know. We'll figure this out. Sadly, there was no figuring it out. When Eric inquired to his friends at court, and they made the brilliant suggestion of the diversion program, which is a program that is meant to be lenient on first-time offenders. So, for example, if you knowingly sell weed and get caught, but it's your first time, you would get community service and keep your record clear. But apparently, if you accidentally break the law, then the harshest punishment was the only way. Obviously. It makes sense. The judge said his hands were tied and the ATF had this on lockdown. They wanted to make examples of people. There were at least 20 other people from gas stations, bars, and restaurants who had all been through the same ordeal as our hero. She was not alone. All these hardworking people had to pay over $1,000 in court costs, which, when you're making $750 an hour and trying to pay rent and bills from that, leaves nothing left. So paying $1,000 would literally take an eternity. It also included 50 hours of community service and the real icing on the cake. You are awarded with the highest level misdemeanor that is permanently on your record, which means every single employer will see it. It also hurts your chances of getting a job at a bar or any place that serves alcohol because the business also gets fined for your mistake. In a 98% white community, it was hard enough for our dear friend Christy to find work, but add a record and you are shit out of luck. When Christy was ready to take on community service, she chose to do it at the church that her dad was formerly a pastor at when she was very young and had been the denomination he oversaw as general superintendent. She had been heavily involved in the white evangelical church world and thought since she knew the pastor, she could potentially do office work or video work or something along those lines. But the church had become mega and she was treated just like everyone else. Her plan totally backfired. Instead, she swept areas of the church that were the size of airport hallways. The church had expanded and had built a gigantic building, but did not have a sanctuary, which Christy always found odd. Wouldn't that be the first thing you'd want to be a part of a church building? But what did she know? She also couldn't help but notice all the amount of space unused during the week in this gigantic building. She was obviously a huge movie connoisseur and had seen many movies where someone homeless wandered into a church at 2 in the morning because they were cold. Where were those churches? Did they truly exist? Or was that mere movie magic? She also couldn't help but notice that there were almost all minorities except for two white people, including a girl named Alicia, who would save her during the deep depression this entire event took her down. But everyone else was a minority. Christy really needed to stop noticing things. Cleaning windows, collecting trash, all while trying to work as many hours as possible at 7.50 an hour at the gas station. Kay didn't fire Christy and instead started up a collection at the gas station to help Christy with her court costs. 
Christy found this oddly out of character, but was very appreciative, especially since the gas station would get fined for her mistakes as well. Kay ended up raising over $200. Christy never saw any of that money. The big days for community service at the church were Saturday nights and Sunday mornings after service. You got double time for setting up their sanctuary and their Gigantosaurus Rex gym. The gym had a Broadway production level stage, replete with Bose speakers and Apple computers. Ad-free criminal labor, and you've got yourself a pretty sweet setup. Sundays were the most bizarre for our hero, but getting four hours counted instead of the two she actually did was too irresistible. She had not only grown up in this denomination, but at least 98% of the people there knew who her father was because he had been the general superintendent of the denomination for over 25 years. It was strange. People didn't notice her, but people weren't noticing any of them. She watched as her criminal cohorts moved around clumps of people standing around talking in groups. They didn't move out of the way, smile, or say hello. It was almost as if the people removing their chairs simply didn't exist. She saw people she knew and they pretended not to see her. When the pastor's daughter spotted her, she approached her and smiled at Christy and then burst out laughing when she saw Christy holding a chair. Christy, oh my gosh, hi. Uh, what are you doing? Community service. Oh. What did you do? Murder. Christy walked away grinning to herself as she lugged the chairs to the pile, her back on fire. Christy was not built for this sort of manual labor, but the poodle, a middle-aged man with a perm, who was like their warden, Christy and Alicia gave him that nickname, didn't care and watched them all like a hawk with a perm. It's still funny. Christy is now a non-traditional small business owner and gets recognized when she goes places. When people approach her, she sometimes wonders if someone will recognize her from her street cred of having the highest level misdemeanor. But so far, people only know her from her cookies. That's not a euphemism. She literally makes cookies for a living. Although a very traumatic experience at the time, her friends at the North Canton Police Department and the kindness of her customers helped her come back from the darkness that tried to invade. And Alicia, she was awesome. Christy fully embraces her record and realizes that no self-respecting minority in America should be without one. So, who was the culprit for this crime? Her manager for being on an extended smoke break? No. As a former smoker, Christy understands the importance of such a break. The cop that was talking to Christy during said incident? Nah, Rowdy is awesome and wasn't in on the sting and even offered to go to court as a character witness. The pastor that cursed her into working at a gas station? Nope, not even him. Alas, the guilty party was totally and unequivocally our very most favorite person, Christy, and her lack of asking a 20-year-old for his ID. You can search Christy Lynn Williams on Canton Court Docs and see evidence of her rap sheet. It's pretty dope. Street cred for days. Join us next time for the case of the Good Samaritan gone wrong. This story is shocking. Narration done by Christy Williams. 
Kay voiced by Tracy Don Brewer. Pastor voiced by Brian Brewer. Beefy Guy voiced by Addison Morgan. Assistant Manager voiced by Jamie McCris. Eric voiced by Josh Banker. Pastor's Daughter voiced by Amanda Anschutz.